and we go out to do the show, and they're in the middle of the room in this huge table are six kids and their dads, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Oh, no, no mom. That's awesome. Now, my rule with families is I ignore the adults and play with the kids. Absolutely. VIPs are not. So all night I'm doing this. And I've done this with, with you know, with all kinds of celebrities because they all come. If, if Michael Jackson was at Disney World for a week, he'd come to Pioneer Hall at least twice. Anyway, so I'm going over and I'm doing all these different things with the kids. And I, you know, push, look, excuse me, sir. Boom. We get a note. And in, 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 a, in a week of doing everything, this was a highlight. Our kids wanted to know if we could come back. Thanks for not ignoring us. They get ignored uh, because they're famous. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we proudly present our spectacular show of podcast magic and imagination full of Disney wonder, news, and pop culture. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast with Jen Novotny and David Dollar. Hey, Jen. Hey, Dave. It's the Main Street Electrical Podcast. Yes. Welcome to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. I'm sitting here in the hot, sweltering sun. Well, not hot, sweltering sun. I'm sitting in my house uh, of Birmingham, Alabama. Our power bill is sky high because my wife is now gone for, you know, for like two weeks. And of course, when she leaves, don't tell her. I pop the air down to like 68 degrees because she's like, it should be on 72. We got to whatever. And I'm like, you know, our power bill came in. I'm paying for this, but I don't care. I'm like, I make, uh, we are too successful in our careers for me to be sweating in my own darn house. It's not. Gonna <laughs> so, Jen, of course, you are. I'm going to ask you how you're dizzy this week, but I'm assuming it's going to have something to do with the fact that right now, as we, as this episode yes. drops, you're leaving the country. Literally. So, I'm leaving the country to go to, uh, well, I start by landing in London and mm -hmm. then I will be uh, joining a Disney cruise in Southampton, which is the port basically in London. Right. And then um, we're heading up France, Iceland, Norway, and ending in Cherbourg, or oh my gosh, ending in Copenhagen, uh, Denmark. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited um, for this cruise. So. Very that is that is really cool. I, I'm, I'm excited for you on this cruise. I think it's gonna be great. That you get to go on this. Of course, we told the story before. You didn't realize yeah. that our, our our good friend Kyla 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 is going on the same cruise. And of course, one of the agents, Katie, is going on yep. the cruise. Yep. She's like a yep. European traveler. Her, she, her oh yes, she's like well traveled in Europe. Um, yes. And then of course, Marcy loves me. Marcy, your boss, my grand boss, and you know she works. Mm -hmm. She's our, kind of our Disney connection. She is going on the cruise as well. So she yeah. will all be there. All the families will be all be there, and you guys will be having a blast. Yeah. Well, I'm over at our our local splash adventure and uh, doing you know doing all that. So, um, so Disney for me, how I Disney this week, and let me just say that um, that I, I was thinking about a few things here and there. And and next week we we were going to be talking to uh, our good friends Emily and Jessica, who just went to Disneyland. And so I'll be sharing some some five K stories on there. Uh, how I got my medal this week finally. But today I'm sitting here and I'm working. And as I mentioned before, my wife is gone. I'm actually on day three or four, or whatever of a uh, uh, you know, she's gone 15 to 16 days. So it's me and the kid and we're fine. We're good. We're good like that. However, um, you know, I've got to work. I've got to do some stuff. So he's trying to find things to do. And he walks over and he's like, you know, build track. And he wants me to help build his monorail track. And I'm like, Campbell, can you build your track? And you, you kind of go through this whole thing of like, 
you got to work, you got things to do, but at the same time, you don't want to look at your kid and be like, do your own thing. Cause you're, you're thinking ahead going, is he going to look back later and be like, I wish you just pay more attention to me, which we're together all the time. But he, he grabbed my hand and he looks at me and he said, build monorail track together. Oh. And I was like, you want to build it together? He goes, yes, build monorail track together. Which he's never said build together. Like you and me, let's build. Oh. And I'm like, Give me two minutes. I'm typing this email out. So this cruise on this date leaves on the state. Here's the price of your prom scares or whatever. Da, da, da. All right. So I take I take 20 minutes. We go build this this track in the middle of our floor with a monorail top curve and stuff because it's you know we, we've got two sets so we can do all kinds of curves. Oh, cool. Track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a 50th monorail. So he's he's playing with it for like 30 minutes and then he's like, okay, I'm distracted. I would do something else now. But um, it was the greatest little thing. Oh, I love it's it. Like, it together. I, I I love it. So we're gonna hop right into the episode here because we got a good 45 minutes conversation coming up this is the second part of our chat with former imagineer mcnair wilson if you enjoyed last week's episode you're going to love what he has to say here we talked about the adventures club last week this week we talk about curiosity i jump right mm-hmm. into asking the question talk about curiosity it's one of the, the themes in his book um his his whole thing and, and being in the same room with a guy is very interesting because you look over and he's listening but he's also he's a doodle and you'll look over and on napkins, on paper, whatever, he will have these really just fun drawings of everything from yeah. Disney attractions to, to people, to he's drawing the guy on stage, to he's drawing an animal or a fruit or just something. He's just doodling and drawing. So his creative brain is always working. And so he talks about that. And he also talks about his new books coming up. And he retells the story of doing the Tower of Terror, which if you've never heard it, it's fascinating. Mel Brooks, the famous producer and director, mm-hmm. is involved in the story. He talks about having dinner with Marty Sklar, which blows my mind. By right. Me. You know, like he talks about what the Tower of Terror was supposed to be, what was it intended to be, and now mm-hmm. what it is, what it's become. But Jen, let's talk to McNair real quick. Let's All go right. back and talk to McNair. things too that i remember and this is really big in your book and i've got hatch right here in front of me because it's a great little book you know the first book of your seven book trilogy uh one of the things you talk a lot about in the book and i think you mentioned this on vip tour is curiosity which is a fun word and i think it's something that you know because we get caught up in in dreams and magic and you know imagination which is great Mm -hmm. but i think curiosity is also something kind of a concept that we forget about why this is such a broad question but in terms of disney or whatever in the creative process why is curiosity so important why was it so important to walt why is it so important now curiosity is to the human experience what a spark plug is to the internal combustion engine without Mm -hmm. it there's nothing Uh, my family has a long history of working with special needs people especially people who and my brother who did this for 30 years has told me this is the phrase you use we're born with a diagnosis mental retardation I have, over the years of doing street theater, many, many times selected when we, in our audience participation shows, you know, my company, SAC Theater, S-A-K. When you go to Disney World, go downtown to the SAC Comedy Lab, S-A-K. And it doesn't mean anything. It's just our way of spelling a sack full of costumes and props. <laughs> and, and I had many times in doing audience participation at Italy and the United Kingdom, we were hired for three months to do 10 shows a day. Within a week, they asked us, do you have more people? They said, we do 30 Renaissance festivals a year. We have 60 people. By Thanksgiving of that first year, added a troop to the United Kingdom. Uh, went to 12 shows a day in each. By the summer of 85, we had three shows also. In Future World, we were doing 85 mm-hmm. shows a day. 
from 10 shows a day for three months. We stayed seven years at 41,000 street theater shows. Oh, my that's, wow. That's how popular it was. <clears throat> when I was testing Streetmosphere, the Hollywood Boulevard characters, and line entertainment, one of the things I did was the autograph hound, the jacket with buttons from all the Disney movies. I was on mm. Main USA Disneyland. That character doesn't fit there at all. But guests would come, and I could look at a family and see who's the live wire. It's going to be a little, the younger kid, the grandmom, maybe the dad, if he's got a Hawaiian shirt and plaid pants. Mm-hmm. The dad. Uh, and and I'd look to him and I'd yep. say, excuse me, sir, can I, can I have your autograph? I, I've seen all your movies. And they kind of went. So this family was coming down, and I was being taped. This is on videotape somewhere. I should get it somewhere. Somewhere in the archives of Imagineering. And there's this family, and there's about eight, nine-year-old kid. And he looks at me because yeah, I saw he had an autograph book. And he looks at his mom and says, Mom, she said, go ahead, David, sign his book. So he signs it very carefully, David. And she said, do you want to would you sign? I said, well, I know, okay. And they start to leave. They get a half a block down Main Street. And the mom doubles back, tears flowing down her face, says, thank you, thank you for using my son in your show. He gets ignored all day. Well, he was Down syndrome. That scared wow. me a bit. That just uh-huh. tells me that's the guy. Oh, right? my gosh. Pick him. He will play along. <laughs> and every time I've done that. I love it. Renaissance also, it worked. Disney would have you not do that. Just be careful. Right. Okay, I'll be careful. Here's what the careful for me on that day was to pick the right person. Mm-hmm. And we were testing that. We got all done. And a, and on the video, the security guy comes up to me and waits till the family's gone and says, uh, who are you? And I had my name tag hidden amongst all. Said McNair Wilson, I you know, stayed in character. And he said, Oh, okay, fine. When they showed it at Imagineering at a gathering of Imagineers, the the title was McNair busted by Disneyland security in front of 40,000 guests. And as the guy says, oh, Okay, and he starts to leave, I said, Wait a minute, I didn't get your autograph. And I stayed in character the whole time. When we opened Disney MGM Studios during the preview, the head of all of Disney World um, retail in park stores came to me one day and says, uh, hey, says, I can't talk to your people. I said, I have people? He said, you know, your little uh, Mm -hmm. people. I said, they all speak English. There's only one Canadian, all the rest of them are Americans. He said, well, yeah, but they're always doing their thing. I said, what, wearing a costume and and staying in character on set? Imagine (laughs) that. One of the five rules of of the theater is you stay in character. Yeah. A light drops, as has happened to me on stage and plays, mm-hmm. and you stay in character while somebody comes right. and gets it. You say, Oh, wow, I'm, let me just move this. You know, yeah. uh, I did Hoopty Do review for five years, mm. and things would happen that weren't in the show, and you to, but you stayed in character all the time. Yeah. Um, we got we got a note one night at, at, at Epcot or at the at, at Hoopty Do, and there are two worlds at, at Pioneer Hall. There's food service and and entertainment. And they work together, but they don't tell each other what to do. Right. Mm. We had a note one night on the bulletin board from the manager of the food service. VIPs, second show, 7.30, do a good show. Really? So I grabbed the note. I go over to the kitchen. I find this lady. And I said, let me get this straight. VIPs at 7.30, do a good show? She says, yeah. 
I said, but at five and 10, we can do our normal pile of crap. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, no, no. You said, I said, you said do a good show at 7.30. What would you like us to do at five and 10? Well, I'm just saying, I said, ma'am, I know you're trying. And I know it's VAPs and I don't care who they are. So we go out to do the show and they're in the middle of the room in this huge table are six kids and their dads, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Oh, no mom. No mom. that's awesome. Now, my rule with families is I ignore the adults and play with the kids. Absolutely. VIPs are not. So all night I'm doing this. And I've done this with, with you know, with all kinds of celebrities because they all come. If, if Michael Jackson was at Disney World for a week, he'd come to Pioneer Hall at least twice. Anyway, so I'm going over and I'm doing all these different things with the kids. And I, you know, push, look, excuse me, sir. Boom. We get a note. And in, 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 a, in a week of doing everything, this was a highlight. Our kids wanted to know if we could come back. Thanks for not ignoring us. They get ignored oh. because they're famous. They get right. connected. Yeah. All those yeah. different things. So I took that note and I showed it to the lady. I said, this is what happens when you treat the VIPs. Mm-hmm. I have celebrity friends. They want mm-hmm. to be treated like everybody else. Right, right, right. Treat them like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And we would do that when we were doing street theater. Saw a guy in the audience at UK one day. And I'm out ready to pick another character for Romeo and Juliet. And I went up next to this guy. He's got a hat on. He said, you're going to pick me? I said, no, just wanted to say hi. He said, thanks. And I said, no, I wouldn't pick you. Don't worry. Because the rule is we don't pick family members, friends, or celebrities. Sure. They'll try too hard or they'll mm-hmm. whatever. But I said, please come up afterwards. So afterwards, he walks over and I said to my two friends, I said, guys, you know my friend Dustin Hoffman? Well, he had just come <laughs> off of New York doing Death of a Salesman and he was wearing a hat because he had shaved his head to play Willie L- Loman. He's playing a man 20 years older than himself. He said, this is terrific. This is terrific. I can never do this. I don't know how you do that. I said, well, you'll be surprised. <laughs> what you just saw is on paper, even the ad libs. He said, it was a great. Just it was just great, thanks. And we didn't have a photographer there, you know, to, to take take a picture. Yeah, right. but, but but that happened all the time. And I forget your question. Oh my gosh, <laughs> we're just curiosity. About curiosity. Oh, curiosity. Just, curiosity. So here's here's the deal: is the curiosity <laughs> is what would happen if you picked a Down syndrome kid to be in a show? Magic would happen. Mm-hmm. You didn't pick him because he was Down syndrome or not. You picked him because he was the most lively guy in his family. Right. Sure. You know, I always say, let your curiosity get the best of you. You're running errands and people would say, what if we did this? I said, let's try that. Mm-hmm. Well, what if it doesn't work? I said, then we'll never do it again. <laughs> we tried it. And now we know. <laughs> you know brother, a way it doesn't work. <laughs> my brother, who is so quiet that he will not say the number of words all day today that I will say during our time together here. Mm-hmm. Great guy. We do a. Uh, a, a live FaceTime with each other every Sunday morning to catch up. Love it. Spent 30 years right. working with special needs people in the live-in institutional setting. <clears throat> and he's hilarious. You just have to listen for it. And he has a great curiosity. And he uses, he sends me every day, I could show you his text messages, photos he finds and a poem he writes to go with it. He, he's never written it. He's writing it now. If you published it, you'd go, who is this? Who does this? Huh. Let your curiosity get the best of you. Try it. What's the worst that can happen? In my corporate things, I have people stand up. Raise your right hand. 
And I have them promise to let the And I said, what are you worried about? Raise your hand and say, repeat after me. They can't fire me. They sit down. Or I'll say, stay standing if you can think of anybody in your company who's been fired for being too creative. I've done hundreds of these keynotes now, maybe twice, somebody's, and as they explained what happened, they didn't get fired, they got in trouble. They didn't get fired. No. (laughs) You know, uh, we're we're doing a, and this led to my doing, leading the team that came up with what became the power of terror. Uh, They asked, Jeffrey Katzenberg asked me to put together the idea of maybe doing a major attraction based on the movie Airplane. Do you like Gladiator movies, son? That movie. Because <laughs> they want the Zucker brothers to come and make movies at Disney. Right. Long story short, we came up with something. We put it on a big foam core, and we had five different projects doing presentations in to Eisner. And we had to do five projects in an hour. We were last because we weren't a, had to do. Yeah. So we took this board, and I put it in front of the door, leaving the building. It was a building that we owned, but it weren't using for anything and my boss, Marty, said, who are you wearing today? And I always had a sport coat on or bush jacket. And I always had some sort of lapel. I love all kinds of little lapel pins. And he said, oh, you're going to take that off because it was a cartoon character. No. So Eisner comes over and he says, we got five minutes. I said, give me four. He said, wait a minute. Who are you wearing today? I said, the best cartoon character ever. And he looks at it and goes, oh, one of the best. It was Bullwinkle. Oh, right. I said, by far the best cartoon character ever, ever, ever. He said, he said, I'm afraid to ask this. Is your second favorite a Disney character? I said, no, let's talk about the project. <laughs> so we get done and he, and he just kind of taps and he says, Bullwinkle, so great. I said, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle are not on home video anywhere. This is the late eighties when that still wasn't. Yeah. Right, right, right. He says, nobody has it? And he said, no. I said, they're an independent company. They're not make, they haven't made any new stuff in 20 years. He yeah. said, does, does Jeffrey know that? Meaning Catherine said, I don't know what Jeffrey knows. I've been in meetings with him. I'm not sure he knows much. They call him. Right. Don't you call him. Long story short, because I called Jeffrey and said, Michael and I were talking about Rocky and Bullwinkle. It's not on video. They called Jay Ward's wife. Jay Ward is dead, the creator made her an offer, gave her a million dollars to go through the library, and they released a six-video kind of best of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, my God. The best video collection of anything ever sold in home video. Wow. They went back to her, and she she got smart now, and then she got a percentage of it. But that's because she wore the damn pin. I didn't wear it to accomplish anything other than that's the pin I put on that day. Um. And, and and so your curiosity says, I'm going to try this. Yeah. So what's the worst that can happen? They can't fire you. And if they fire you, you didn't want to work there. You don't want to work on a, a company that fires you for, they fired you for what? Right. For thinking outside the box for creativity. Right. Like that's... Or, I love <gasps> it. Oh, look at that. I, I'm having a t-shirt made that I'm going to wear at the next thing in Orlando when we go to whatever park. And it's mm-hmm. Rocket Wiggle. And the caption is, my pronouns are moose and squirrel. <laughs> now there's something we hope you really like. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I put that online and somebody says, there's always somebody that's, that has to not take things seriously that should be taken seriously. And I thought, I'm not going to respond to that. And right away, about eight other people on the website told her, back off. 
It's a nod to Rocky and Bullwinkle. I love that cartoon in the 80s. Yeah. I love that cartoon. Oh, yeah. Like, not a fan of the movie that came out several years later. I think Robert De Niro was in it. Not so good, but the the cartoon. You know, at the time time that I wore that lapel pin, Rocky and Bullwinkle, there was a 30-minute Rocky and Bullwinkle on Sunday mornings on the ABC affiliate in LA, Channel 7, Mm -hmm. 7.30 to 8.00 a.m. Sunday morning, 7.30 to 8.00 a.m. Who's up? A pastor on his way to work. That's it. <laughs> right? right. It was the number two show in that time slot. So they're up against so like, good. like uh, Meet the Press and those kind of shows, right? And they were beating the pants off of them. And, and a show that in the 80s hadn't had a new cartoon made since the late 60s. And still. Wow. <laughs> That's not even showing anywhere now, is it? I don't even think Rocky and Bullwinkle is on. I'd have to I look. I don't know. It's uh, it's on um, Netflix or something. Netflix, yeah. Or, I mean, yeah. you find on streaming. But, if, but you know, I tell people go go on eBay and get some Rocky and Bullwinkle stuff and watch it, and you'll you'll be shocked. No, oh. this is very grown up humor, not R rated, just sophisticated, but, right? Well, and I think that that's always the like the reason in in so many Disney attractions and '80s Disney movies, or even like '90s Disney movies, there were always some adult yeah, humor, not inappropriate adult yeah, humor, but something that like the adults were going to laugh at too, that go over the kids' heads. I have used Rocky and Bullwinkle as as kind of the modus operandi for how I write my books, like my talk, how I create theater, and that is make it silly enough for adults and sophisticated enough for children, because people yes. say, really want to use that word there. And I'll say, you know, that's not a word I looked up in the thesaurus. That is a word I use in conversation. It's a big word. It's a smart ass word, but I'm going to use that word. And then there are other places where I'll say, eh, that's going to be a bump in the parking lot. I'll, you know, dumb the word down. But, but, you know, um, there's a wonderful talk that everybody's read. It's accredited to Nelson Mandela in his in his inaugural speech. He did not write it. He did not give it in his inaugural speech, but somehow it gets accredited to him. It's it, it it's from a book by Marianne Williamson, who's running for president, who's kind of a right. age. The line in there that I love, she talks about being yourself and shooting for the highest you. Your playing small doesn't serve the world. Oh, I like that. Don't be less of who you are. Now, if that doesn't work for everybody, it doesn't work for everybody. I just did a big uh, 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 convention for Chick-fil-A for their nonprofit mm. wing, Windshape, 400 people. Mm-hmm. You won't realize it behind Chick-fil-A. It's this organization that does these group homes and summer camps and so on. It's this huge oh. million, multi-million dollar organization that they just do. Right. And, <laughs> and there were a couple of places where I said something that didn't get a particular big laugh. And I used my old line from street theater. Some jokes I just do for myself. There'll be more. Hang on. <laughs> I love that. Well, and I just looked to Rocky and Bullwinkle. The original is not streaming anywhere. You can find it. Um, the uh, the updated version from like 2018 or whatever is on Amazon yeah. Prime. So if you want to go new version, but nothing's like the original. I remember watching the original when I was a kid. Um, part of that, you know, the Deadly Do Right and uh, the Rocky and, and Bullwinkle and all of those, uh, the, the fairy, Fractured Fairy Tales and all those cartoons and stuff. I, I love I that. I just fractured say fairy go, to, go, to, go to eBay yeah. and find some DVDs or or something. Mm-hmm. You won't be sorry. If, you, if, oh, you're yeah. not, if you've never seen them, you'll love it. If you have seen them, you're going to glad 
glad you have them in your library. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's fun that we talked about special needs earlier with imagination and curiosity, because that's my kid, of course. And, and I'm slowly, he's getting to the age where I can slowly introduce him to things, uh, to like cartoons and things like that. We mm -hmm. watch I mean, Charlie Brown was recent and uh, he's into certain older Disney movies now. And Rocky and Bullwinkle is one of those on the list that we're going to get to where, you know, maybe he'll like it, maybe he won't, but I want him to know that's Bullwinkle, that's Rocky, because this is important stuff. I, I don't care so, anything about the new stuff. We need the old so stuff. Curiosity. I'll say to a group that brings me in to work on a project, what are we trying to accomplish here? Who's the target mm -hmm. audience? And so mm -hmm. on and so on. And then I'll say, what would you like to do? If you didn't have to worry about whether or not clients would like it, if you didn't have to worry about the cost mm -hmm. of doing it, if you could do it any way you wanted to, and so on, so on, so on. I mean, I've worked with at least three major well-known national companies that wanted to do theme parks. Hmm. And a thousand reasons why we haven't done them yet. One of the huh. first things I say, they say, we got a piece of land and we think we can do it. And they got 40 acres. That's not a parking lot. <laughs> okay, if you don't have two, 300 acres, don't call me. I can't do that. Or if you only got a couple hundred acres, let's do a really kick butt thematic shopping center that has your right since there yes. and other things. And I did that one time with a guy that made millions of dollars on oil. And in his town, they didn't have an interesting shopping center. So we built this highly themed, wonderful shopping center. And it was a big hit, you know, had a dry cleaner, had restaurants, had this and that. But you look at it and go, well, that looks like an old Western town, you think? So um, your curiosity then has to take you somewhere. Your imagination will create the answers to that mm -hmm. curiosity. Your creativity right. will help your imagination refine what what your imagination is 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 coming up with, mm -hmm. and you'll come up with with all kinds of stuff. When we were when we were going to before Disney MGM Studios opened, we knew it was going to be too small, so we began before it opened to say expand it. The way it was laid out, we couldn't just add a land. We said, well, we could add a street, so perpendicular mm. to Hollywood Boulevard. We said, we'll do Sunset Boulevard. Now, mm -hmm. in Hollywood, Sunset and Hollywood are parallel. Nobody cares. Right. And nobody knows that either, unless they live there. They don't know. Right. I, you know, I'll give you 100 bucks for every guest that's gone to guest relations. You know, Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard are not perpendicular. They're parallel. Nobody's <laughs> that. Nobody said that. Nobody cares. I don't care. And I know. <laughs> so when you add a new land, you need what Walt called a weenie, the iconic attraction. Yes. That says this is the land, Big mm -hmm. Thunder Mountain, boom, frontier land. Right. Back. There are very often mountains, but not always. So I was tasked. My Eisner actually took, said to Marty, "Get McNair to get his airplane squad together," and I called them the Knuckleheads. And there were some of the greatest guys there. It was like the Kirk brothers who went on to do uh, Disney Seas Tokyo, which was mm -hmm. based on Disney Seas mm -hmm. Long Beach, which I led. When we were had right. the, the Spruce Goose and the Queen Mary. That's why there's a boat at Disney Seas Tokyo, because we had the Queen Mary. You know that every day in Disney Seas Tokyo, people are having meals in one of the restaurants on the boat. And they'll say to the waiter, you know, my wife, uh, not to feel so good, the boat is uh, uh, rocky. <laughs> the waiters are trained to say, talk to the captain, we have some levelers, some things that we can do to take right. care of that. Everything will, yeah, much better now. That boat is a building sitting on a concrete slab. It was never <laughs> moving. That building doesn't move any more than the houses the three of us are sitting in right now. Oh, that's funny. This perception. It, it's imagination. Oh my I gosh. Love it. I love it it. It, it. it must it must be wrong. 
So Michael said, gather a team to get together. And he, and he called one of me and he says, let me know when you're going to have the first team meeting. I have a friend I want you to work with. Long story short, we're sitting in Marty Sklar's private conference room, which on a good day will hold a, a dozen people if you move the table aside. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting there and I just found my notes in one of my old sketchbooks. You know, I've got, you know, uh, 150 or so sketchbooks. I have one with me every day. They all start out looking like the wisdom of Al Gore. And then I used to say John Kerry and it didn't get as big a laugh. So I went back to Al Gore. Because <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's the world's perfect zero. You used to say John Kerry before you said John Kerry. Got it. <laughs> Very good. There you go. <laughs> so Michael Eisner, six foot three, walks in with his friend Mel Brooks. Mm. And we all agreed later that yeah. every day after that would never be more than the second best day of our lives. Because we'd all shared oxygen in a pretty small room. In mm -hmm. fact, probably a room smaller than my office. Oh my, I, my office is my master bedroom. I use the not master bedroom as my my bedroom because what do you do? You sleep and you put your socks on. Right. Anyway, yeah. they, um, and we said, what are we doing? I said, Mel, we always create a thing. We need to create an icon, a weenie. He said, what's the weenie? I said, Walt came home. I don't know if you and your guests know this, where the term comes from. Walt came home from work every day, and his dog would greet him at the door, all excited. He'd go Aww. to the front, get a hot dog out of the thing, and hold it to his side and shake it. And his dog would follow him into the bedroom, put on his work clothes, go outside to work on his train, and then he'd give the weenie to the dog. So it got the dogs, it kept the dog's attention. That's where the term comes from. It's that. I didn't simple. know that. That's awesome. Well, I did not know that either. It's that simple. Some things uh -huh. are really that simple. Right. And you hear it go, that's it? That's it. <laughs> it only needs to be true and make sense. In right. fact, it only needs to be true. You know, huh. like, why did they call this club? Because <laughs> idiots were in charge of making the decision. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. So... <laughs> We said, no, we said, Mel, we, we don't, um, at, at Disney MGM Studios, we don't make a ride experience of a movie story. As much as we would all love to do farting cowboys of the Great Plains, uh, that's probably not <laughs> going to be the ride we're going to do. And he laughed. He thought that was funny. So you're funny. Uh, when we're introducing each other, I said, you know, this is Tim yeah. Kirk, so on, so on. Mm -hmm. name tags. And he comes over to me and says, you know, Oh, I started by saying, what do we call you? Mr. Brooks is, call me Mel. And I said, guys, and I said, Mel. From then on, in any meeting where anybody said the name Mel, even if he wasn't there, I said, we need to ask Mel about such and such. Good to see you, Mel. And he'd come in the room and he says, well, I'm here. Who's here? He said, Mel. Funnily enough, this oh. is how Jen used to want to be called. When I met her, she was like, you can call me Jen. I you know, She demanded all this, this. that, but eventually she got away from it. But, you know, that I sounds I wanted true. you to sing it. You like, that sounds, Jen. That sounds, sounds true, and it makes sense. She wanted <laughs> me to sing it until I sang it. And then she was like, okay, well, maybe yeah, let's rethink this. Let's Accurate. Let's this so I said, Mel, what we'll probably do is re-watch re all your movies to make sure we, as a team, have seen them. He said, you should watch them without me. We said, okay. So we did, spent a few days. We watched two a day for a week, <clears throat> and we're sitting one day watching Spaceballs, which was not out on home video yet. Uh -huh. A friend of mine was one of the actors in it, Jim J. Bullock. We used oh, to yeah, I know him. Hollywood Squares. Yeah. <laughs> he said it was his worst experience in Hollywood because oh, no. he started filming before the script was done. Um, long which, story, if you've seen the movie, is on par for that movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
long story short, um, we said to Mel, I said, you know, we think we will take one of your movies and let it be the inspiration, the muse, mm-hmm. something in the yeah. vein of uh, Blazing Saddles, a right. comedy western, something or other. And we went through all those. Meanwhile, I was on a team that was designing a high-end hotel that was going to be the most expensive hotel on Disney World property that would be at the front entrance, just outside the front entrance of Disney MGM Studios. So as you approach the gate, it would sit there. California Art Deco theme. And we knew that we had an echelon of guests uh, that were very, 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 you know, top 1% of the top 1%. That if they checked into the Grand Floridian and they had the second best room in the place and they found out the best room became available, they'd like that. Not to show off at all. That's just their lifestyle. So we said, let's build a hotel that's for those folks. They're there. Didn't have to make a big deal out of it. It would all be suites, be 24-hour valet. So you want fettuccine Alfredo with grilled chicken at four in the morning? It'll be Mm -hmm. up in 12 minutes or so on. So we're designing that, and I'm on that team. And we did a tour, an Art Deco tour of LA, and we're talking about what it would be. And there's only going to be, I don't remember, 150 rooms, 200 rooms. Very, very, very expensive. Mm for that time and so on. And and um, and I said one day to Mel, I said, Mel, we like the idea of young Frankenstein as our muse, funny and scary. Okay. okay. We don't do anything particularly scary at Disney and Jim Studios right now. There's the alien room in the, in the great movie, right? And so on and so on. Mm-hmm. There's Cat- Catastrophe Canyon and so on, but no full attraction. So we're building this hotel. I said, what if, and I was just riffing, I said, what if one end of this real hotel was the original, old Hollywood Tower Hotel? So what would go on there? I don't know. We went around the table one sentence at a time and brainstormed. You go in, and there's luggage there that's unattended. There's a a poker, a a blackjack game that's unattended. Eventually it became Mahjong, which made sense for that era, Mm. covered in dust, so on. You go and and then somebody said, the elevator's broken. So he said, you go down into the steam room. And Mel says, what goes on in the steam room? And the whole team, as though we'd rehearsed it, said, steam. <laughs> it was hilarious. He said, that's great. Oh, when we're doing names, and he said, call me Mel. And he said, what about you? What do I call you? Because I'd taken my jacket off. with the I said, well, you're going to have to call me Mr. Wilson, which he did forever. <laughs> Including five years after I left Imagineering, and I was sitting in a in a cafe late at night in New York City, where all the actors from all the Broadway shows go. And Nathan Lane came in with his retinue, and um, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Sarah Jessica Parkers. Parkers Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. They were both yes. doing producers. It was yes. in mm-hmm. previews. I'd seen it two nights before, and I said, "Oh, please God, let Mel be in town and let him come here." Well. Uh. Mm-hmm. commotion at the door and there was mel and his group of friends right he went and sat down and he was going to see them and he came by me and i stood up and i said mel <laughs> and he looked at me he said i know this face and i know this face and remember he's like this right <laughs> and i said imagine he said mr wilson he said come and meet the little lady do you know his wife who his wife was she's passed away Anne bancroft mrs robinson oh my god i didn't know that yes Mm-hmm. She was also an miracle worker. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, as any guy my generation had, I had a crush on her forever. 
I'm going to meet her. So he goes over and he's got his arm on me. He says, Annie, this is Mr. Wilson. She said, the Imagineering Mr. Wilson? She's very New York. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, let me tell you something. Put her hand on. She said, he never had a better day in his life than when he spent those afternoons with you boys over there at Imagineering. I said, well, ma'am. I said, we enjoyed having him. And to tell you the truth, the only reason I was ever nice to him was I hoped maybe someday I'd get to meet you. She grabbed me, pulled me down sitting next to her, gave me a kiss on the cheek. She says, anyway, all that all, 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 all that to say, we said, we, we were brainstorming. Okay, you go down to the steam room, you get on the service elevator. Well, what's the difference? Well, the service elevator has a gate, so you can see as you go up every floor. Yeah. And you see, we're this and this and this and this and this. And you get to the top, and somebody said, it stops, the gate opens, and the elevator shakes, and it comes out of the shaft and goes down the hall. Well, we all screamed. Right. <gasps> and Mel happened to stand next to me, and he's says, can we do that? And I said, well, I know a guy. He says, you know a guy? I said, he's the head engineer. His name is Jack. He figured out Space Mountain. Mm-hmm. I'll ask him. Boy, if we could do that, now we got something. I said, yeah. We're like, mm, yeah, yeah. <sighs> Next day I'm at lunch, and there's four engineers at a table for four. And I insinuated myself and a bunch of napkins and stories later in Melbourne. Say, so he's really in the building. I said, yeah. And they were kind of Used to the fact, oh, James Cameron is here. Oh, you know, because they all came through. Mm-hmm. Pee Wee Herman is here today, so on. And you didn't always see those people unless you were working with them or happened to pass them in the hall, but a lot of them came through. So I told him this idea, rattles and shakes, and comes out of the shaft and goes down the hall. And Jack was about to bite into his pastrami sandwich. And the reason I give you pastrami as a detail is it was a Thursday. They had pastrami sandwiches on Thursday. It was an unbelievably good pastrami. I almost got one because I always do, but I thought eating a pastrami sandwich and talking, I, I couldn't do both. And I had this thing about eating hot food hot, you know? And I knew if I didn't, I'd end up having my pastrami sandwich cold, blah, blah, blah. And I said, so it comes out of the shaft and goes down the hall. And Jack goes, okay. Then what happens? He said, okay. As if I'd asked them months ago and they'd already worked it out. <laughs> I said, uh, it goes down the hall and it sees stuff, you know, and we do that. And they're all like, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we can do that. Sure. Be an independent track. There'll be a track here that holds it. And there'll be a track on the floor. Maybe you don't want to show the track. And, oh, we could use the such and such. It had a name and it was the system they used for Epcot, the dinosaurs and the Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Um, the um, not the Omnimover, uh, the um, not World of Motion. Um, anyway, yeah. And it was a it was a it was an eighth inch copper wire in the cement, and the thing on the thing, and that was the track mm-hmm. guided yeah. through. Right, like well, an infrared kind of not infrared though. Then he said, "How are you going to get them back down to the ground?" I said, "I didn't know I could get them out of the shaft." <laughs> Dream a little. What do you want to do? And I said, "Well." I said, um, tell you what I'd like to do. I said, they're going down the hall. I said, maybe they get to the end of the hall. This is the table. And I grabbed a salt shaker. And I keep this here for podcasts that I do where I tell the story. And I said, I'd like to do this. Or maybe a cable on it that swings out one side, comes back in. Then maybe we go back and go to. He said, what would you like to do? I said, I'd like to do a Roadrunner. And one of the guys said, perfect, a delay drop. Remember Roadrunner and Coyote? Mm-hmm. Roadrunner is a bird. He flies off the cliff. 
he's fine. Coyote right. is a non-bird. He goes off the cliff. He waits a while, and then he falls. Because he has to look down, look around, and realize where he is, and then he falls. Yes. <laughs> oh. Jack says, I like it. How tall is this hotel of yours going to be? I said, I don't know. This is the new end. Maybe it could look a little taller. It's it's all suites, 150. I don't think it's going to be six, eight stories. He goes, that's not scary. I said, 10 stories. He hit me. He says, come on, theme park boy. Dream. <laughs> well, our working title of the hotel was the Mel Brooks Hollywood Horror Hotel. And Mel would say, say horror slowly, or it's no longer a family ride. <laughs> so I nicknamed it, and you can find it. You can Google this on 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 uh, on the web and find this. I nicknamed it Hotel Mel, so he, we wouldn't slip on, on the word horror. Right. <laughs> and I was just about to have jackets made that said, you know, Hotel Mel. In fact, I've got a friend who's working on getting me some some uh hotel keys with the you know the plastic fob oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That we're gonna do hotel mail keys just as a thing um and they and i said uh, okay horror my horror hotel horror i said 13 stories he said that's the right answer and then one of the guys says wait a minute how tall well at disney world the height limit on anything uh, is 200 uh, feet yeah you can build a 300 uh, foot 200 feet is 20 stories, if you think of 10 stories per thing. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but above 200 feet, you have to put some kind of a, a radar tower with a light for airplanes and so on and so oh, on. Oh, right. So they said, tell you what, we'll build it as high as we can. We'll we'll build it 199 feet. Uh, and But we'll paint it to look 13. So next time you're in Florida, count. And the painting on the outside of the hotel is 13 stories. But it's a 19-story building. Right. Oh, my gosh. Forest <laughs> perspective. Yeah. And so um, they're building Everest. And my former friend, Joe I love Rose, this story. <laughs> says to the construction guy, how tall is this? He said it's uh, 100 and, uh, 189 feet, about a foot shorter than your buddy McNair's hotel. <laughs> <laughs> so they go up there with some chicken wire and some plaster, and they add a foot and a half so that Everest is six inches taller than Tower of Terror. <laughs> so one of yep. these days, I'm going to climb up there with a weather vane that says Hotel Mel on it. A seven-inch weather vane, just stick it on top there, just in case. It's funny. So, um, so McNair, as we're starting to kind of wind down here, because this has been a great conversation, I feel like we could go for hours. Um, can you tell us about the new book? What's the? I know we have yes. a new title for it. We have a title. Uh, do we have an expected date? And what do we expect to find from the new book? A trombone played badly. I love. The, oh, I, I love, love the, the cover. I love, I love the, cover. the subtitle is "Recapturing Your Creative Spirit," which is the title of my TED talk. It's mm -hmm. online. If you go to Tea with McNair, Tea like the drink, T E A with McNair. Yeah. We'll see a link to well we'll have to link to that in our show notes to see people can absolutely find it. and recapturing the creative spirit is my point to say look we're all born of the creative spirit all children anthropologists in every culture they've gone to even the fourth world meaning non-technology out in the mm -hmm. bush on the hill the only way to get there is by foot or donkey all children at age three by age three are singing and dancing and making up stories and mm. their imagination is running wild Right. They haven't had classes, art classes, drama yeah. classes, right? They just do it. Right. They're born with a creative, natural creative spirit. It's the one thing that sets us apart from all of our life forms. 
Dogs are not creative. When your dog walks around in a circle before laying down in his favorite place, that takes way back, thousands mm -hmm. of years, to when there was tall grass and they would walk around to push down the grass and then lay down. It's an instinct. It has nothing huh. to do with creativity. They, uh, the, 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 there are some animals, you know, some of the primates make tools, dolphins and so on. They've trained them four or five behaviors and they've invented six or seven on their own. Mm -hmm. That, you know, the, the, um, the animal trainers kind of go, where'd that come from? So my, my, the whole point of my life is to say, you have a creative spirit. Mm -hmm. And when I was teaching brainstorming to Disney executives, Michael Eisner took the class at Imagineering, Disney's, uh, Disney University, he said, do you think you could teach this to some of the executives at the studio? I said, well, I don't know. He said, you don't think they're smart enough? I said, no, the opposite. It's an old um, saying in the educational world, the hardest thing to teach somebody is that which they think they already know. Yes. There's nobody yeah. who thinks they know everything like the mm -hmm. head of a corporate division. Disney has 23 of those. Yeah. And they don't call them divisions. The, the, the business card says part of the magic of the Walt Disney companies. And I said, I've met most of those guys. They're unbelievably smart. But they don't know that they're creative, maybe. So he said, well, let's try it. So he sends a memo out. This is pre-email, of course. And he said, I want you all to take McNair's class. He's going to do it once a week at the studio. You and your five or ten top people. And then if you want to, he can come in in-house and do an all-day thing for you. Mm-hmm. Very first session, three of the top guys, including the guy who ran Walt Disney Productions, which means everything, film, TV, video, that the Disney company put out, he was in charge of. So like, in terms of power and so on, the number three guy in the company. Good guy, smart guy, fun guy. He said, and, and they're, look, they're talking to each other, they come over and say, we love your thing, we want to use your course. We're just talking to three of us, we're not creative. I said, what does that even mean? And the one guy says, well, I, I, I can't even draw a straight line. I said, well, that's not a test for anything. Mm -hmm. Every art supply store in the world sell, sells rulers and T-squares and triangles to right. artists because they can't draw a straight line. I'm an artist, and I have a few of those on hand just in case <laughs> I need to draw a straight line. Well, that rules. Yeah. Oh, David. Uh, so I've got another one. So. <laughs> the other guy said, well, I can't draw stick figures. I said, yes, you can, because you sat somewhere on a bus and played hangman and you had to draw a stick figure. Oh, That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how do I help these vastly talented, intelligent guys understand their creative spirit? And I spent a year talking to everybody I knew, including the aforementioned Kirk Brothers, Richard Vaughn, who invented Catastrophe Canyon and so on. Bob Weiss, Chris Carradine, you name it. Mm -hmm. And my dad, who wasn't a bit artistic, but terribly creative. At his funeral, ah. five people that spoke, four of them were, were not me. All of them, without connecting with each other, talked about my dad's creativity. Huh. At the reception afterwards, my friend said, I know your dad. I was at his house for barbecues. He made me sweep his pool. He wasn't artistic. I said, nobody used that word all day, and they didn't but they all talked about his creativity as an educator, as a leader. Mm. And so I thought, okay, what are, what are the benchmarks of a creative person? What, what, mm -hmm. what is creative spirit? And I came up with at the time, six habits of actively creative people. I distinguish between actively and inactively. In other words, mm. people do it on purpose. I'm going to do uh -huh. this now, and that's going to be more creative than otherwise. 
And eventually I pared it down to four. Short version is I got a call from Michael Eisner's office. They kept getting calls for people to come and speak on creativity. They would start with him. So we don't really have somebody. He said, you're so good at doing project presentations. Can you speak to corporate groups? I said, I do presentations. I speak at conferences. I said, mm-hmm. mostly pastors conferences. He would talk on there. I said, Jesus. He goes, oh, yeah, that works. And I mean, he knew, you know, I was a church going person. Right. And so one time I told him, I, I, I invited him to my wedding. I had a practice marriage in the 80s. And I said, uh, I'll save you a, a, a piece of wedding cake and a ham sandwich. I said, oh, ham sandwich, kosher. He said, I don't keep it. Oh, that's right. You're not. A, I said, you are a Jew, but you're just kind of Jewish. And I heard him a different time. I said, I'm just kind of Jewish. And so. And I did bring him some some wedding cake, but not a ham sandwich. Anyway, <laughs> so he said, well, let me give this group your name. And it was the California Association of Police Training Officers, CAPTO, the people who run police academies and anti-terrorism schools. Completely the wrong group of people to talk to about creativity. <laughs> but I had this new That's awesome. piece of information. And I thought, mm-hmm. if I can convince them of their own creative spirit, we're on to something. I did. It worked like gangbusters. We gave everybody, we put on the table stacks of, of uh, you know, blank copy paper, cheap right. felt pens, uh, cheap meaning 10 for a dollar, a dollar, a dollar and a quarter treat. Nice. And, and he said, you're all used to writing tickets today. Here's how you're going to take notes. And they all did. I did 45 minutes, an hour and a half of Q&A. Then we repaired to the rooftop cafe. This is at the downtown hotel in Sacramento. And they're all coming to say, I do this and this and this. Am I creative? Am I creative? He says, absolutely you are. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, if I can convince a group of and this is what they call themselves, super cops of their own creative spirit. We could do it for anybody. Absolutely. And I had my wife with me at the time and she said, what do you think? I said, I think the creator of the universe kicked open a door today and I knew this door existed. I just didn't know where it was that I could yeah. step into. So I now realize that what it is that I do is help people recapture their creative spirit. I love that. And you'll see when you watch the TED talk, the, sto- yeah. the, 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 the talk begins with, a story that Walt told, and he would tell it in a few lines. A kid wanted mm-hmm. to be in the circus. The only job available was trombone player. They didn't know till the opening day parade that he couldn't do it. When they asked him, why didn't you tell us? He said, I didn't know. I'd never tried it before. That's your creative <sighs> spirit. That's curiosity. That's, That's fantastic. Taking a risk. So, so, so the book is a chapter for each of those four habits. And in writing mm-hmm. it, I came up with a fifth habit. And so there's a chapter for each of those little mini chapters um, a, a, along the way um, to kind of explain the details. Yeah. Within so we're oh. shooting for it to be out um, end of summer, early fall. Oh, okay. nice. So As soon. It's, it's done. It's just too long. Love it. Love it. That's, yeah, that's I'm a, so excited to see that book. I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's it. it's gonna be great. And of course, we've got a we've got a friend of ours who her name is Emily, and, and you actually signed a book to her. Uh I had oh. you autograph book to send to her. Our friend Emily Ryan is the biggest McNair fan. She loves your work, she loves Hatch. Uh, I actually messaged her while we were talking to you, and I'm like, We're talking to McNair for the, tomorrow's episode. And she actually said, Oh my gosh, I'm fangirling. So you have fans, <laughs> they love you. They love what you. does they Emily do? Fans. Uh, she is actually um, she is actually starting a company, or she has started a company called Bluebird Gifting Company, and mm-hmm. she is a premier deliverer of all kinds of gift baskets and things like that. They're on property. You call her up, and say, "Hey, I need 
can you send this family some popcorn or send this family a gift basket of, of plush or whatever? She does that. A lot of times she'll do some other stuff too, like deliver, you know, waters and bro. You have to she talk to her about that. She needs great. to come to the thing. She's talked about that. She, she does. Yeah, she does she need to come to, to come. the thing. Well, if so, people keep keep watching me through any of my Facebook sites, um, the easiest one is um, Facebook Hatched by McNair Wilson. Okay. Very soon there will be uh, uh, an email list created that will uh, help them get announcements about how to buy the advanced copies or uh, the advanced sales of the mm -hmm. book. What we're going to do okay. is we're going to sell them in two book lots because, as I said on the back of Hatch, don't loan this to somebody. You'll never get it back. And the number of people who have told me that, that they loaned to somebody and didn't get it back, including yeah. a pastor and who, who had somebody steal his copy off his desk at church. Oh, they, my God. He told his church? Staff, somebody <laughs> told him the book. I've made arrangement. Whoever you are, you're going to hell. <laughs> I, I bought Emily her own copy, so she didn't have to yeah. take mine. Which so anyway, that what we'll do is you can buy either two copies of the new book, or if you don't have Hatch, you can get the new book and Hatch together. Oh, nice. They come out for cheaper Perfect. than the cost of Nice. Now, is that the best for way this? to find your contact to through the Facebook group, or is it, do you have an Instagram or email? Facebook's not perfect then. Awesome. Facebook slash Hatch by McNair Wilson. And, and, it's, and it's about all my books. I mean, I have seen McNair Wilson, but that's one of those things where you got to friend me. Right. And I'm, I'm just a little bit of a right. stickler. If I don't recognize it, I'll say, please tell me where we met. And you say, oh, I met you at, and then I'll, we'll be friends. But if we haven't met, use the other one so we don't have to go through yeah. the, the, the. Well, Jen, I can't wait for you to meet me there one day because he is just a delight. I know. In, in person, I would love to meet him in person. Eight foot tall. And um, <laughs> hair. This is just this is just a wig I wear for podcasts. That's what I, that's what I assume. Do you look about eight foot tall? I'll take it. So thank you so much for this. This has been fantastic. Um, so much. We're gonna have you back on, of course. Hopefully not in two years from now. I'll have to convince Jen Sooner to have you on before two years. So oh yeah, you're not with me. And for your for your for your listeners who don't want to yes. waste the new, new book. Meantime, mm -hmm. if they contact me through Facebook, um, we can arrange to get you one of these signed and put your name on it or if you just want to get the book mm -hmm. amazon amazon has it all day long so that's fantastic fun. thank you mcnair you've been fantastic thanks guys thank you so much have a magical day <laughs>
at Aponistar Jen on all the socials. And then Jen underscore Novotny is my personal Instagram, um, as well as threads, which I don't know how much I'll be posting on that, but I do have it. So there, there we go. go. Yep. <laughs> Follow me at the Magic Only Dollar. Now I'm not going to be at Disney World or on a cruise or anything this summer, but of course I post the content all summer long. Anyway, follow me on Facebook at Magic on a Dollar and Disney on a Dollar as well. Uh, follow Upon a Star, Upon a Star Travel, because I'm sure that Meredith, who are, is our social media Upon a Star junkie, she will be getting all of your content and making reels and making all kinds of fun mm-hmm. stuff. And what she does is great, great work. And so good job on her on that. And of course, follow us at the MSE Podcast um, on all the, the socials as well. But next week, we'll be talking with Emily and Jessica as they talk about Disneyland. So we'll be all together again once yes. more. And now, you know, and then we'll figure out what happens uh, the week after that. So uh, anyway, so <laughs> I am Dave and for Jen, have fun on your cruise. We'll talk to you soon. And don't forget to thank your Phoenicians. Thank you for listening to the Main Street Electrical Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The MSE Podcast. Or visit our website at themsepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe and may all your wishes come true.